PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Welcome, ladies, gents, and potatoes. It's Few coming back to you with another episode of PD Raw. Today, I'm casting from captivity in Burning Lila's sex dungeon basement. I thought I was going to be captured by the constabulary, but joke's on me. This is my one free call to my lawyer, so I hope some of you out there are. And my jailer, Bailiff, Burning Lila, how you doing? Hey, I'm enjoying my life. Now I have a captive sex slave. It's great. Well, you know what? Maybe that's something everybody needs. In the, okay, you know what? No, that is not going to be the presidential campaign <laughs> platform that you run on. Oh. <laughs> so teasing aside, I think today we were going to talk about some of the practical changes or difficulties or hiccups that you've noticed in going through the healing or learning or growing process, whatever the fuck you wanted to call it. And you've got a bunch of lovely notes that I think would be great for people to hear. But first off, you wanted me to kind of soften the blow and give people some idea of what the fuck we're up to here and particularly myself. Yeah, just don't talk about the sex dungeon too much. Just no one wants those details. Well, that's why we put it up at the top and now we can just sweep it under the rug. We've set the setting. There's like manacles and chains and whips everywhere. And now we can carry on. Yeah. So I guess going back to the other episodes that we had, how we met on the MPD support forums and just even there, I've kind of been engaged in a long-term project for myself of answering some questions about how to talk to disordered people. What do they need to hear? What is possible? Trying different avenues of thinking of what a modality is that would be helpful for, well, some people, not even all people, because what each person needs is different. And we met there. We reached out to each other. We kind of were both flirtatious, but also both interested in working through some of the issues or difficulties you had being maybe diagnosed NPD or at least identifying it as it and very much so ASPD traits as well. And so we've been doing this kind of weird hybrid dual track therapy relationship type of thing. And I guess from my end, it has been, what are some of the experiences that I think you need and the feelings that you need to have that would allow you to care about other people more or to take your own life more seriously, to have a bit more optimism and positivity? I mean, it's not so much about teaching what is right or wrong, because, I mean, you can go read a children's book for that or go do analytical philosophy, because that helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but clearly those things fall short. So what you really need to deal with is some of that inner pain or ignorance of 
experiences that you've never had and having somebody also who you can just trust for a prolonged, secure, steady amount of time. And I think that while this is just a general intuition, I think obviously most therapists, of course, this is a therapeutic relationship. In your case, I think you've practically seen at this point how helpful it's been to be able to constantly come back to this as a constant and not having that consistent insecurity of thinking about where you're going to get positive regard or validation from. And so, yeah, there's been a bunch of things that we've been trying to do together and stuff that I have just been doing off the cuff of things that I think I've been good at or have always really practiced well with people. And I think it's safe to say that we have seen some results in the six months that we've been at this. Yeah, so basically you need to have sex with your therapist to have a good Jesus Christ. All right, so to anybody listening, this podcast is not legally actionable. Okay, um, we really do need those lawyers from up front to... Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be completely honest, we were also just having a conversation about this earlier, about the boundaries between therapists and clients, but also some of the vulnerability of what types of intense experiences or closeness or intimacy is required for change. I think in your case, the intimacy has been a big part of what has helped the healing process. Mercifully, you are willing to kind of work with me to allow me to help grow that intimacy and keep it clean and pristine, as opposed to some directions or places that it could have gone. And I can imagine that this to me, it feels like it would have been harder to do this had we not had that amount of closeness. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, how does a therapist teach you about affection or love or kind of regarding them as a person if they're holding back on their lives and if they can't give you that experience, if they just have to explain it to you? So, yeah, probably don't fuck your therapist, but... <laughs> Maybe do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll put a pin in that one. So I'm going to call the American Psychological Association and run the suggestion by them. I guess one of the other things that I've also done is I've really included you in a lot of areas in my life. My relationship with my primary, or at least first girlfriend at this point, with my niece in things that I do the things I'm really interested in. I've really opened up my life and made the details available to you and tried to have you participate in them as much as is possible to give you the ability of seeing these other experiences, of feeling them, of seeing different options. And sort of being able to be like, well, wait a second, why didn't this happen to me? Or you can do that, or that's actually possible not just saying it to you, not just suggesting, but really kind of allowing it to imprint really deeply. Hmm, yeah, and that's something that's kind of quite hard when you're just having a one-to-one -one with a person every week. I found, yeah, I just saw my therapist as kind of not a real person, I think, just like a, here's a cardboard cutout <laughs> I talk to every so often, and they're not a real person. And just, yeah, you need someone to teach you about community and about kind of maybe not family structures but how to participate in those and how to actually enjoy all that stuff I mean I th yeah I think it's like you said you need the experiences rather than just someone to explain that oh hey it would be nice if you were 
better to other people and they might be better to you that's something you can't really get a grip on unless you've had that experience so I don't think healing is something you can do by yourself very well well maybe you can but I probably couldn't have done yeah and that's really beautiful of you to share and be honest about you remind me of our boy polyphonic peanut shout out while we're also in the UK and we have not stopped you through the streets of London yet, even though Lila has joked or memed at it numerous times, but for now you're safe. I would say that I'm keeping her on her leash, but I'm the one in the dungeon, she's keeping me on mine. But yeah, he said the same thing about with his therapist where they were like, I'm just a person. And he was like, oh yeah, right. You're not like a replacement paternal or maternal unit to come here and yeah, it's, there is, Fortunately, things about the formality and the scientificness or the attempt to render all things as such that removes some of the partiality or the intimacy or the softness of what can occur more organically. And I think maybe the sub is a good place for that with some of the connections that people have made to each other for people to be able to get that kind of personal touch. And I think also as well, the fact that we met on the sub and the fact that it was already kind of open or people there were sharing their things that also allowed this to go a lot faster. This wasn't like you were showing up to a therapist and you don't know what they know, you don't know how they're gonna judge you or not. And I guess though, this is also a part of one of my intuitions about doing the podcast and the writing that I do on the self in the first place though, which is also with therapy sometimes where you are the one who's supposed to come in and show up and say things and divulge yourself and you do the work. And that is important and that is significant. But we've seen a lot of people on the sub talking about how they go in and they lie to their therapist. They're masking. It takes a long time for them to get intimate and vulnerable. And so instead, we're kind of turbocharging that process by leading first by sharing experiences by going to those difficult and painful places and people respond on the sub as a result of seeing that this is a safe place to talk about things that are shameful or painful or difficult or not socially acceptable and that was a part of what allowed you to feel more comfortable to move as fast as we have and so i think that is a power of doing things vulnerably in the open that has been reciprocated by a lot of people and helped create this community that we've got. Mm, yeah, I think the sub's amazing for that because there it's not transactional. And even with the therapist or with a lot of other relationships in my life, I was just like, this is a transactional thing. If I push the right buttons, I'll get the response that I want. And that kind of led to a lot of resentment when I didn't get the response that I wanted or it kind of feeds into the idea that no one actually cares about me or no one actually loves me. They just want something out of me, which is, yeah, it's tough. And it's kind of something that I think is hard to shake off in therapy because there's always that distance and you are basically paying someone to spend time with you, which is, <laughs> yeah, it's either that or like a prostitute. So, And I think... There are many uh, sex workers who would say that they are many people's therapists. So mm, certainly yeah. not wrong, paid friends in a number of ways. And so, yeah, I think that's a good setting of what I'm up to and where we're up to and where we came from. And with that said, I think we can move on to some of the things that you've been observing going through this process that I think would be super useful for people to hear. 
Yeah, so one of the things I've noticed is that I've been generally feeling a lot better. I'd say before there was this well of rage inside, rage and emptiness and bitterness and all that good shit. And yeah, just feeling better, like there's a reserve of kind of positive feeling and I wouldn't say affection to everyone, but like just generally feeling nice and pleasant and that kind of thing has kind of definitely affected my interactions outside our relationship as well. So it's not even been an intentional, very conscious, I'm going to be better to other people. It's more of a just feeling better and people just picking up on a better energy and having more time for people, being more patient, that kind of thing. So yeah, people do realise when you're mechanically being good to them because you think you should. I mean, it's a good start. I was doing a lot of that, but they they can feel like something's off about it. So it's it's definitely working from the inside out is more helpful, I'd say. Yeah, it's almost like people have emotions and pick up on other people's emotions. Fucking crazy. <laughs> and, you know, I get it. this is another thing with disordered people. They sometimes think they're real fucking sneaky. But it's just if you are less competent in navigating emotions, experiencing them, feeling them from others, you will still be giving yourself away just in ways that you don't realize. Maybe somebody else isn't even consciously aware of it. But there are ways in which they still it's still a part of the dynamics of your interaction. You just have less control and awareness of it. In terms of you feeling better kind of from the inside out, just makes me think of one of the first things when we first started after we like talked the first time or the second time or something like that. And you said asking me how it would you would know that it would feel better when you could compliment a coworker without like, feeling like you're stabbing yourself in the eye. <laughs> And so I think we've come a long way since then and well, quite a ways past that. But yeah, it was, it's been kind of gradual, but I think that's kind of a promissory note that's been kept or that's one of those things where I'm trying to grasp because for the person who's trying to help you kind of puts them in a difficult space. They're like, well, where's the proof in the pudding? How do I do this? And from the person, they're like, well, how do I get you to, as you said, have that inner security, buoyancy, lightness that allows you to see positivity in other people and not be resentful or jealous or envious or bitter. And you need that proof of those practical hands-on things to make you feel like you're getting some something out of it to believe the person to invest more trust to do the work. But then you sort of have to give some trust in order for them to get you to the point to make it work. So that's why I'm kind of bringing that up right now, because I still remember being on the receiving end of that and being like, okay, I'm pretty sure I can do that. But how do I not lose your interest? How do I give you the small wins so that we can get to the bigger ones? These are some of the things that go through my head when you say things like that. And that helps me to kind of structure or shape of think of where we're going to go. Now, again, I think that you already gave me a lot of trust initially because we did meet on the forums. We did talk a lot. You had access to a lot of my writings. So again, from having so much of myself out there, it allowed you to put in more trust than if I were kind of just a blank wall or a sheet or something like that. And that is what allowed us, allowed me to 
have your attention or interest for long enough to get you to the point where you started seeing those wins and you started seeing those positives. Yeah, and then we could keep going from there and keep getting deeper. Hmm, definitely, yeah. I think a lot of other times in my life I wouldn't have been able to give you that kind of trust. I would have just been like, no, I just want to mess around with this person or <laughs> this person doesn't interest me or various kind of things like that. I think it's also just sad that before I was trying really hard to do the right thing, but it still wasn't going down as I had hoped because, yeah, people pick up on it if you're just robotically trying to be good, trying to be better, trying to smile at babies and just scaring them <laughs> on the street instead. But yeah, and it gets kind of confusing and disheartening when people don't don't respond well to that, obviously, because they're human beings who want warmth and stuff like that, I guess. But yeah, it's it's hard to explain that being feeling better will make you better in the world i guess yeah i mean there's the expression that hurt people hurt people and people who have a lot of love their cup kind of overflows so i think that's a great thing to be able to say to people that you actually have the first-hand experience of seeing the difference and it's not like you're perfect you still have some deviant thoughts and you still have some malignant sides and edges and that's perfectly fine at the very least blunting some things or giving you some pro-sociality or warm positive feelings where we can and really we're kind of exploring this together and seeing where it goes i mean that was all just a lie i no I, well here we are perfect and well, anyway <laughs> and here i thought i played the long con um <laughs> yeah that's something i struggle with as well i don't get the kind of response that i kind of wanted immediately from people then i yeah it's disheartening it's kind of makes me more bitter so it's kind of hard to control well you probably shouldn't be trying to control your environment in that way but it's hard to kind of keep faith in recovery if people don't immediately give you the kind of thing you would find rewarding which yeah no one should expect that from other people but it's kind of like, what do you do with your environment? How do you not have a horrible tailspin if your coworkers decide not to speak to you for a morning? <laughs> <laughs> How do you deal with that when a normal person with more resilience would be like, well, this doesn't affect me. I'm still a valuable person. I still have my own great qualities and whatever, whatever normal people think. <laughs> yeah, and it just affects you in more of a horrible way yeah and i just also want to put this out here that in case people are like oh that's really sad like her co-workers didn't talk to her also wanting to kick her co-workers and abuse them no. and, <laughs> and kind of get away with her fuckery so they don't want to talk to her but she also doesn't want to be nice to them they just gotta be nice to her and she has to do whatever the fuck she <laughs> no, that's not my life now <laughs> <laughs> You haven't been around me at once. <laughs> Fucking lovely. I mean, I think even that is interesting that you could act in that way and kind of not see the problem or not grasp it or not kind of feel it. Like right now, now that you can see the difference, you can feel the difference, you've done it. And you can look back on that and be like, yeah, okay, this makes sense. I can see why they would react this way. Or I get how if I want something from somebody, there's a different way I got to maintain myself. But at that time, in the ignorance that you're in before, 
or the desperation that you're in for approval or validation or even just the negative feelings of yourself, you have some real broken brain logic kind of shit that lets you do real stupid things but still expect good outcomes. And it's not because you're a dumb person. It's not because you can't logic. It's because your emotions are driving you and you have conflicting emotions that are going to produce conflicting actions or illogical thoughts. Hmm. It's not logical. I know it's not logical, but my feelings won't fucking get on board. <laughs> but it's just like, I think it was my kind of way of telling people that, yeah, I'm suffering, I'm in pain here. And then me expecting something positive was just my weird way of being like, can you help me with this? Mm. So whereas a normal person would be like, hey, I'm struggling. Could you give me an easy day or something like that? My mind did not work like that. It was like, hey, let's lash out to show these people that I'm suffering and then get offended when they don't want to help me. That's, I think that's kind of the version of what my brain was doing. That's really fascinating because it's kind of like a baby screaming for attention to have its needs met or a kid throwing a temper tantrum who doesn't trust their parents or their environment. And so maybe there is still some of that childlike expectation that maybe people will be sort of like your parents and attuned to you mm -hmm. and still loving you through your difficult times or even when you are screaming and raging out that is the sign for them to come and pay attention to you, that there's something wrong. Mm. And then you're consistently disappointed because you have the entitlement or expectation that people are going to have that relationship or that regard for you. And then they don't because mm. they're not treating you as a child and they're not acting like your parent. They're treating you as equals. And if you're an equal and you act like an asshole, then They'll maybe try to be fair, try to resolve it, give you a chance. And if you're still in calcitrant, they will fuck off and do something else. Mm, exactly. So, yeah, it's kind of looking for that kind of release from everyone in life where that's just not that's just not what people are there to do. They're living their own lives with other adults. Yeah, they're not there to help you in that kind of way. But I guess it's like, where do you ask for help if you don't even know you need it in this way. Yeah. And I mean, this is one of those things where even with us, I offered and you sought out help here and we're both getting things out of this and we're working away in it and it's going great. But even I was pretty dang clear upfront of, I have certain boundaries, I have certain expectations. If this were to have gotten toxic or out of hand, I'd have cut it off. Within the framework of what I'm okay with, I can provide some of that care or some of that affection, some of the things that you're looking for. But if it were to a point where it got to be too much for me, then I would end it. And it's not a threat and it's not something to kind of scare people, but it's just as an adult, it's my job to protect myself, my own person, my emotional energy, my boundaries. I have other people I care about, so I can't let one person kind of wipe me out to the detriment of all others. Hmm. And so it's just interesting that you talk about wanting these unreciprocal relationships with other people. But then since the beginning of this, it's kind of been different in how we ventured onto it with a lot more kind of understanding and seeing on your part. And you were willing to enter into one where there was more reciprocity or there was more ability to curb some of the 
negative behaviors a bit more in order to let this one happen, even though you couldn't do the same in these other circumstances. Hmm. I think it's helped us both being quite well. I think you definitely have been clear about here is what I won't accept. And so I'm like, at least I have a guideline now of here's what's going to screw things up. And yeah, I think you kind of know what kind of things would be unacceptable to me or mm -hmm. like be a problem to me. So in past relationships, a lot of expectation has not gone very well, that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, having more explicit understanding of what we both kind of are here for, it's good. Yeah, and I think also a part of what maybe helped you be a little bit more balanced out is with other people, you always have this crippling fear of what masks you have to put on and appearing normal and social acceptability. And with myself, I've given you pretty broad amnesty in terms of treat me well and I'll kind of listen to or accept anything you bring to me. And I would be disappointed if you ran over an infant or turned over a bank tomorrow. But, you know, some small setbacks or working through some things kind of makes sense and is allowable. And obviously things you've done in the past, even we try to watch shows or talk and joke about things and mm -hmm. your humor is allowed to go all over the place and you can say completely what's on your mind and truly be yourself. And that makes it a lot easier, I think, for you to sort of play by the rules or to care about my needs or boundaries because you also feel like you're cared about. You're not getting resentful of putting on a mask in an act. It's not like I'm asking you to be somebody different. I'm just asking for kind of a narrower range of behaviors of at least ones that are somewhat decent towards me. And, you know, we have other agreements like BDSM stuff. So there's a playfulness between being allowed to engage in some of those negative behaviors in ways that are sublimated, in ways that are acceptable, in joke, in play, in sex, in the media that we consume. But hopefully, therefore, and I think it's panned out, you don't have to express it explosively or neurotically or having it seep out because there's it's not being seen and it's not being recognized. Mm, definitely, yeah. So from that, I take that I can rob a bank next week and it'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> let me just check my guidebook on <laughs> where that falls and things that are acceptable and kind of crunch some numbers and people will get back to your people. Okay, okay. <laughs> I've got it on my mind. But yeah, just even saying things like that or joking about things that I would find it funny to do, but I'm not actually <laughs> going to do just gets out of my system. So I don't feel like I need to do it anymore. Oh, this reminds me of the arson joke with the other. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell your own story. Which arson joke is this? With the therapist. Oh, yeah, the one where, yeah, she, I was trying to be quite a likable person, but also convincing her that I was not actually likable and didn't really have any compassion or empathy. Again, this one of those very logical trains of thoughts that sort of people, they have no emotions, totally empty. And this is entirely a logical way to comport oneself. Yeah, please continue. Okay, okay, Mr. Logic. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just made a joke about burning an ex's house down. And after that, she started taking me a bit more seriously. I haven't actually burned any houses down, but... Yeah, there was something about that that kind of changed her mind, I think. Oh, I thought I might be misremembered, but I thought she said something about like, you're still a good person or something like that. 
Or is that another? No, she didn't say I was a good person after that. She just gave me kind of a look of shock. <laughs> <laughs> a worried look. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even that is kind of interesting. Of, I think that for myself, I'm pretty decent, particularly even on the sub, of taking seriously and giving answers and working to people who kind of express ideations or difficult things like that. Now, how would you work with somebody who's actually done things like that? Maybe a little bit beyond my purview. Like I haven't quite talked with anybody or that's not the space that I'm inhabiting. Probably have to talk to prison therapists or psychologists. And I can imagine that in that setting with coercion and a lack of mm. vulnerability to actually draw people out, that it is very difficult to affect meaningful change. Mm. But to some degree, you have to be able to allow somebody the amnesty to have those thoughts, to put them out there, to feel like it's safe to say these things in order for them to have the lightness and the ease to start looking at them differently or the feelings that underlie them and to feel like they're not alienated or a fucking freak. Mm -hmm. And I think I've tried to normalize that as well, where talking about kind of malignant thoughts or bits and ends that come up with myself for things that I enjoy but I'm still fairly certain, secure of how I actually want to treat people and the way that I want my life to go and things that I wouldn't do. Yeah, he did threaten to pee on my floor and that hasn't happened yet, so it's all good. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's exactly one of those things that you say and you would never do. <clears throat> right, so you uh, you have some other points here, huh? Okay, okay, let's let's have a look. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'm struggling with a bit more is how to take some of the good things that are going on in our relationship and apply them to the rest of the world and mm. to stop believing that the rest of the world is out to get me and other people are suspicious and kind of understanding them through the lens of being quite paranoid. So, yeah, if my co-workers ignore me, I think they hate me and if someone doesn't laugh at my joke, I think they hate me and all that, <laughs> all that kind of thing. Like, how do you take things that you've learned in a relationship that's quite yeah we know a lot about well we know quite a bit about each other and we can kind of work around some of the things that potentially come up and the rest of the world they're just they're just people that are going to expect to interact with you in quite a normal way so how do you try and make those interactions go well and how do you stay motivated when people won't be admiring you all the time and they won't be reassuring you in that kind of way? How do you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I think there is with the paranoia and the presumptions of hostility is obviously you projecting to some degree your own either past ill behaviors or malignant thoughts and you worry about people either knowing sort of about what you've done or do they see through the mask? when you kind of maintain yourself in this way, that's just kind of a natural thing, the fear of being found out or caught out. So yeah, I mean, part of that then is trying to figure out a way of allowing you to interact with other people that lets you express more of yourself or the most of yourself while still feeling secure and confident that it's gonna be received well. So that there's less of a gap between the reality and the appearance, and that lets you be a lot more calm or you can draw upon the experiences of the people who appreciate you for who you are and you bring them into another interaction and even if somebody doesn't give you what you want or 
something weird, like they don't laugh at a joke or whatever it is, and you can say, you know what, it's fine. I know that I have people who appreciate this, who I'm fine with, I'm fine with it. Somebody else doesn't like it. Maybe they're not seeing it the way that uh, ideally somebody else would. Maybe they just have their own thing going on. Even if they don't like me, it's not the end of the world. I'm not so desperate or hungry for attention or for positive regard that I need this in this given moment. Like it can still hurt, but it isn't a mortally terrifying threat. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say maybe it's a bit of projection, but maybe it's also expecting things to go how some of my earlier interactions went. So right. yeah, I have the problem with how do you get people to listen to you without being obnoxious so hmm. again this is something that yeah I struggled with my dad with like, how do I get him to listen to me and then sometimes I end up seeing that in other interactions and that kind of that really affects me but it, you know it's like not everyone's my dad the fact that they didn't listen to me for half an hour doesn't mean that they can't see me and stuff like that it's, it's trying to kind of get that balance between being too assertive and too in people's faces and being completely run over is yeah it's tricky yeah and i mean you're really talking about how those experiences say with your father or with other people from a young age those emotions are so super close to the surface i mean they're so easily triggerable that you see them in these circumstances and you know, maybe sometimes it's true and maybe sometimes it's also not. There's sometimes where maybe you're being ignored or not heard. Sometimes where you feel like you're mm -hmm. being ignored or not heard, but it's not actually the case. And it's probably, you know, some mix of those, but it still shows that emotionally that is something that is really live and active for you. And somebody can easily poke that place without realizing it. And so even just one of the things of us working together is giving you that understanding and validation and regard and showing that you are listened to and respected and valued. And as a matter of fact, for you, it is very fucking strange. You consistently say that you don't understand it or that this is weird or feels odd having that experience of being just valued or appreciated on your own merits or in that way. Mm, yeah, it's weird. Had enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess the other thing too about transferring this to other people is also your presumptions about other people in the world. So, I mean, you have the experience of who I am, what I do, blah, blah, blah. I've made it onto your list of people who are people. But then it sounds like a lot of your thoughts or expectations or fears of the world haven't necessarily changed. You're still afraid of hostility or invalidation or of just being hurt plain and simply and it makes it difficult to think about how to be kind towards others or to be motivated in a more open or empathic way if you still have that fear of what people could do to you i mean that just naturally makes you defensive rightfully so if you're afraid of some sort of harm going to put you on edge to meet that harm. And it's even interesting that we were talking earlier about how to be more empathetic broadly, like outside of individuals in terms of communities for these large issues. And I was suggesting that when you can imagine or attune to what you get back to people in these intangible ways, when people have communities or giving from places of strength, or they see how they're more powerful when they're working in concert. And 
you know, you sort of get it, you sort of understand it, but you're also just sort of like, well, how the fuck would that ever fly when you have had experiences or see how people can be more selfish or con artists or abusive or taking advantage of the vulnerabilities from other people. And you're not wrong the same way as I'm not wrong. It's super complicated as to what people or communities or societies are going to do and how each one of us kind of conceptualizes things says a lot about each of us and where we've come from and what we've got inside. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely not super straightforward that you're even incorrect about those fears of what other people are going to do because there's crazy shit happening every day all over the place. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say I am open to the possibility of having a broader group of people who are positive, but I just, yeah, I still struggle with finding a way to be in that kind of group that is still somewhat enjoyable to me because yeah like mm -hmm. we were saying earlier i don't like the idea of just being a part of a group that's just not i don't know it's not enough for me at the moment <laughs> like there has to be some kind of admiration respect type thing yeah i don't want to be a president or anything but and here I was about to say, you just have to own like a small country or something, and then you're yeah. fine to be a part of the group. Yeah, yeah. I just want to be the dictator. Then I can do the group activities. It's not as like I decide what they are, how long they go on for. Yeah, like a group. Yeah, like a group where I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'll ever kind of enjoy interactions where there's not a bit of positive admiration type dynamic going on. Yeah, getting there. Yes, you know, something else that just clued into me, and again, this being about why you talk about things in the open, because I'm just making a connection now, from the last episode that we did with you, we were talking about your mom and the admiration that she had towards you, and then you still talking right now about that being a really powerful need or a hunger or still being deeply motivating for you. Mm -hmm. And so you can sort of see some echoes of how you've been raised or kind of nurtured and have to poke around a little bit more and think about it a bit more, but it just sounds like there's something that's rhyming there to me. Mm, it's just like just contributing isn't enough. My value comes from being better than the other people or something, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think in terms of this with your mother as well, where your mother, you know, again, admiring you when you are better than or this beautiful facade or exterior or external results, but not that appreciation for just being, being mm. together in community, for being connected, for appreciation for what the other person gives you. For example, I think with us, I really kind of hammered home how to have appreciation and gratitude by thinking of the pants shittingly terrifying options of the things you really care about and what happened if they just didn't happen. And it's super easy. And mm. That's what makes you appreciate the fact that they have been there and even some of the soft, delicate things that you can't really render into words easily, but when they click into place, you just see how different it would be if they didn't occur. And it sounds like you're saying that when you grew up, you obviously didn't have experiences like that or be regarded or included like that. And instead you had these more shallow ways of relating that weren't based on who you are or deeply connected or deeply attuned to you. And that's still something that you now carry with you very deeply, it seems. Yeah, it's kind of like, I've got to be useful. I've got to be of some use. And 
it's getting back to being transactional again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So another thing I'd say is kind of quite difficult is you can't kind of throw away everything that you've learned and everything that you are, but you've got to kind of find a, a way of being that's more acceptable long term and so you can participate more with other people long term, but you can't just replace your whole personality. That's one of the things I want to do when I was becoming aware. I just was like, well, this is fine. This is easy. I, I can just become a different person by myself. I can just switch out this old personality <laughs> and get another one. And that's fine. Yeah, so many things in my life, I think, are structured around the way I am. So I used to have some jobs that were kind of risk-taking and not being very emotional were really, really beneficial. So it's trying to kind of keep your life going and hold on to some of the abilities you have, but do something else as well. And that's kind of tricky, especially when, I know, people are like, well, this way of doing things is bad, that way of doing things is bad everything you are now is bad so yeah it's tough yeah that's kind of brutal and oh there's so many things to say there one thing i'll say is that it kind of reminds me of a comment that arise on the forums appreciated recently where i was talking about the idea of you're trying to win the personality lottery of trying to roll into the new personality that'll give you all the things that you want and solve all your issues but i mean i guess this is another thing of working with you of always giving you the experience of looking back in hindsight or seeing how something that we did before led to something now or these unexpected payoffs of doing things correctly or of sharing myself super deeply and showing how that motivates or makes my actions more powerful or consonant. And so, yeah, any sort of personality you're just trying to erect from nowhere. At this point, it would seem, I think you already know that it's kind of silly or it's not very strong or enduring to do such it kind of gets blown over easily or it doesn't play well or nicely with all the other parts of yourself it's not as easily as if you are building on or adding or maybe looking at your own experiences differently you always have to work with the resources and deck of cards that you've been dealt with the question is, how do you make the best use of them? And, you know, maybe swapping one card in out one at a time, hit me or something like that. You can make these small changes, but you can't just throw the whole deck away. Hmm. So you're kind of just left with nothing. Or kind of another point that I'm just going to keep rambling on because I just want to get all these thoughts out because ah, I love talking about things like this is when we were talking last time about the implicit idea of community in terms of, how people see you or trying to be good at something or certain qualities or certain attributes. And so this idea of just trying to create a personality ex nihilo with no community or interaction with others, or even just abandoning your own past where you've been from and just something out of nothing. Where's the roots? Where's the groundedness? Where are the things that kind of validate or legitimate this? And yeah, it just isn't going to mean as much. It isn't going to be as significant. The cracks are going to show. It's not going to be as strong as something that is a part of a continuity or kind of like another branch of a living tree. You want to be growing from and amongst other things as opposed to just kind of trying to plant your roots into space. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I do agree with a lot of that. 
But when part of your skills is changing who you are every so often, <laughs> that, you can kind of take that as like, oh, now you're trying to throw out my best skill. What for your scalp. To do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, I guess I'd like to find a way of kind of keeping that skill because I don't expect to make a coherent whole out of all of the ways that I've been and mm. just not letting it erode away too much of my sense of self because yeah that's something that's probably never going to change and it can be useful I'm not attacking anyone with my ability to fit into different groups it's just a life skill that can be good but I don't want to let it go too far yeah I mean I can see avenues or forums where people who are actors or god politicians <laughs> or you know just somebody who's in a sociable kind of meeting a lot of people type of job and being able to put on different masks or to comport yourself in different ways is really important. So yeah, I think you're right that I'm maybe too hasty in rhapsodying about the virtues of this kind of deep-rooted sense of self. But I will say that at the end of whatever we do, I really do want for you to have a deep core sense of self. And I don't know how big it is. I don't know how you want it to relate to everything else at least something of some sort of rock solid security or certainty. And then, yeah, you got other skills or other things going on inside of you. And there's going to be some jagged edges. The puzzle pieces aren't all going to line up, but kind of that one core of stability of a foundation to always be able to come back to is the thing that I think I can unambiguously say that I would want for you. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, maybe I might have two core beliefs and then all <laughs> the rest of them can switch in and out. That's fine with me. That's that's compromise. That's how relationships work. Ah, uh, <laughs> principles. Yeah, okay, maybe I'll stop vlogging that dead horse. Um, <laughs> yeah, another difficulty would be kind of when you're like less aggressive with other people you've kind of got to deal with feeling crap yourself so yeah if someone says something a bit off and i'm not immediately getting back at them now i've got to find some way of dealing with feeling a bit well hopefully a bit crap about myself for a bit and yeah it's just seeing what has been covered over by all of the other stuff is sometimes not that pretty yeah and i mean so, I mean, I really do love, though, that when you take that pause or you give the other person some space, you do see that you are using it to protect or cover over or to hide certain things. You're making unaware to yourself some of your own fears and insecurities by attacking and putting the other person on the defensive. And now that's something that you have to figure out a new strategy or a new way to work through. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I actually have anything too smart to say about that one. I think this is, I mean, obviously this is kind of common for a lot of people who have issues with aggression. Aggression comes when you feel threatened and you feel threatened when you are afraid or you feel like there is something that can or will hurt you. And so preemptive aggression or unwarranted aggression is usually not a sign of strength because do you think that people who are strong, who can manage, who are competent, who are efficacious? Those are people who meet challenges and handle them. They're not mortally terrified of small setbacks or things that people say that sound incorrect. 
I mean, one of the ways that I deal with things actually precisely in this area, when there's these uh, miscommunications or ways I don't see eye to eye with somebody or something I don't understand or I feel hurt is I presume that it is at least possible in principle that with enough communication or relationship building or sharing and connection that it could be resolved. And it's not a matter of who's better, who's right, who's wrong, but it is a matter of how much time, how much energy, how much effort. And so sometimes you put in that time and energy and effort to resolve it, particularly the closer you are with people and the more important of a relationship. And in other circumstances, just like practically, I can't manage this or I'm not close enough to this person or this isn't worth my time. And those you kind of push away and you let go, but it isn't then I'm right, they're wrong. It's just there is no incentive or there's not enough practical resources to make this go in a satisfactory way for everybody involved. And that's a way of being able to kind of preserve your own dignity and the other person's and just let the issue lie. Hmm. No, that's interesting because that sounds like you're taking quite a lot of responsibility for how things are going to go. Or maybe that's a misunderstanding on my part. I think that is exactly correct. You are right. That is taking a lot of responsibility for how things go. And sometimes incorrectly, because obviously you can only do so much. I think, though, even that acknowledgement of when you cannot do something to change, it's still the presumption that in the beginning that you can be efficacious, that there is something that could be done. You have that optimism before you allow the negative or before you say, you know what, I can't do anything. Or, you know what, I think this other person is wrong or whatever it is. But this is another thing that I've said in some other instances of, you want to have presumed optimism. You wanna give things the chance. And there are a lot of unknowns in situations. You wanna have that cautious optimism before you allow yourself to turn into more pessimistic or glass half empty solutions, or before you start kind of really castigating or laying blame. Because sometimes things can be headed off, or sometimes things can be resolved, or sometimes there are just these unknowns. But it also kind of helps keep your own conscience clear and helps you feel more powerful to know that you have given it the best try to exercise your agency over something. And then you have given up when you've seen you don't have any, but you don't presume that you're powerless or that it's other people's fault or that there's shame or blame to be put around. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think for me to get to something like that, I'd have to have more experiences of me being able to paper over cracks or deal with it. Whereas now I'd be like, well, I'm not experienced enough in that area to resolve this myself. So I've got to do something else with the fact that it's a bad situation. So yeah, banned from putting the bad thing on them. So I've kind of just got to deal with the bad now. <laughs> well, I think it's not presumed putting the bad on them. But then, you know, obviously, if it is very clear or it's a situation where kind of somebody else is at fault or you, know, you had no agency, then yeah. I mean, even when people, the bad is on them, quote unquote, even then there's still agency potentially. You could still try to be more powerful by saying, I'm going to even attempt to reclaim this situation. I'm going to see if there is anything I can do to make this better, even if it isn't my fault that it is 
incorrect. And obviously that's still sometimes impossible. And sometimes you just don't want to, or sometimes people don't fucking deserve that amount of grace either. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a different mindset to see yourself as efficacious enough to not just kind of throw in the towel immediately in these circumstances and to do your due diligence. And then after that, after I think the due diligence part, I think you allow yourself to come to whatever justified conclusions and then you kind of move on. And I mean, even with yourself or on the forums, we've seen all sorts of people who kind of talk about creating difficult situations, making things difficult for people, being ill-intentioned and malignant. So you know that there are people who sometimes will quote unquote do bad or whatever it may be. So the solution clearly can't be to then pretend like that never happens and that it's never bad on the other person's fault. We want to get away from dichotomous black and white thinking. It's how do I come to situations with an open mind and let the other person show me and inform me of who they are and where they're coming from. And then what do I think is a adequate response that lets me keep on doing the things I was doing, keeps my own soul kind of light, easy, breezy, positive, and doesn't let myself get blown too much off course by these other things that people bring to me if I don't want to deal with it. I mean, that's also just being boundaried of, you can have difficulties and you don't always have to take it on board as significant or a threat to you or a big deal. Some of them you can just let it blow past you and just be like, I don't give a shit. Hmm. Yeah, that's something that I see the positive of being like that. Mentally, I understand it, but I just need concrete examples of that actually working to have enough confidence in my skill of getting things to go well to yeah to really kind of be on board with that i think absolutely like i'm sharing how i work and of course i have this well i was gonna say maybe unrealistic view of optimism but no i've had provably quite a few negative experiences in my life and talked to a lot of them kind of openly so it's not that i think i'm being overly naive but i think it just is you may be justified in having a more negative or pessimistic view but even if it is justified, feeling good or feeling better or feeling optimistic, I think in a lot of ways makes you more powerful, makes you feel better. And so you want to try to keep yourself more buoyant or feeling like it or seeing things like that, even when you know that things cannot be like that or things can go worse. And when it's really clear that that's what's going on, then you accept it. You act appropriately, do what you got to take care of the situation and then move on. But there is such a strength in being able to maintain the positivity in yourself, even if you have license to kind of act or rage out or be bitter and resentful. And you kind of talked about it in terms of people being able to pick up on your mood and what you carry inside of you and the differing opportunities and ways that people approach you when you have kind of a lighter affect. And so this is one of those kind of difficult things where you're not wrong for presuming difficult things or harsh things from your environment or in other people's intentions, but it can still be a disservice to act and maintain yourself in that way. Yeah, I guess and the difficult thing is how to do realistic optimism, which is something I haven't worked out yet. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> and I hope this is fucking difficult because I haven't fucking worked it out yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at my place, still learning, still working on it myself. But 
yeah, that kind of difficult task of constantly coming to things anew and trying to work them out. It's a lot more difficult, but I think you get a lot out of it. Okay, move on to the next one. Yeah. Did you want to do yours? Because I think I might have run out of steam. Yeah, well, before we turn to what I think, there's still some things that you've mentioned that we were talking about before that I think would be super useful for some people to hear. Particularly, you were talking about how as you feel more relaxed or kind of safe or secure, you lose some of the intensity, some of the edge, or some of the craving for danger and excitement that motivated and allow you to carry out a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I'm kind of really struggling on letting go. I just feel like more flat when I'm relaxed and less engaged, less creative, less just not inspired, really. I just feel like I'm bumbling around and a bit directionless and pointless. And yeah, so it like physically, I feel my body feels better, less tense, all of that kind of thing, all that good stuff, less paranoia, but I kind of miss kind of being on edge a bit more, which is probably quite a strange thing, I suppose. No, I mean, I don't think it necessarily is. Risk-taking and impulsive behavior, kind of a part of a lot of the disorders. And that is a way of allowing you to feel connected to the world. You, I think I've written this in a lot of places where if you don't have safe, secure, positive emotions or kind of broad perspectives that allow you to be motivated and engaged with the world, you can also outweigh your old bad feelings or traumas or the numbness and emptiness with intensity and with risk and danger and excitement. And that's something that you're used to kind of leaning into to motivate you or to navigate the world. And so if you take that away, well then what do we replace it with? What do we put in there instead that makes you feel really inspired? Kind of the same way how when I hear other people speak really honestly and vulnerably, it gives me all sorts of thoughts and motivations and directions. And maybe you're like that when you're under pressure or under threat or in these risky situations. And that's been the way you've used to feel intensely or to care about things or to get you going. And so I actually thought it was really interesting when you asked me just the other day about how you're losing out on some skills that allowed you to do certain things or how to motivate yourself you were sort of hesitant to tell me because you didn't know if that would mean that things were working or not, if it was what I wanted to hear, if it meant that you're losing interest or if I thought you would take it that way. And I said to you that I'm actually really glad you told me that. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly where you should be if you were taking things seriously, if you were really trying, because this would be the next step. You've started doing some things less, started seeing some things differently you've created a body, a persona, a mind that works in a certain way that takes a certain type of fuel or sustenance. I mean, we've talked about narcissistic supply before. And now that you're doing different things and your mind, your persona is changing, but not quickly enough and not all equivalently. And so you're doing certain new things that doesn't satisfy old cravings or needs or ways that will inspire you and get you going. And so this is a new problem that I have to think of about, well, okay, then how do we get that spark back? How do we either introduce some 
sublimated intensity or excitement or risk that is acceptable? How do we try to get you to enjoy things that are healthier a little bit more or any other range of options? Basically anything I could possibly fucking think of to work. But now that you've told me that this is the point where you're at, this is different from where you started and is certainly maybe not even a progression, just different from where you are, <laughs> from where you were before. But now my mind can start working towards that and I can start forgetting about certain other things. I don't have to worry about how to have you not stab yourself in the eye anymore when a coworker gets complimented. Now I can think about this instead. And so it was interesting how you were thinking about what I wanted to hear or how to appeal to me when what I really want is just the honesty from you of what's going on. And then I can set myself to the task of working with what's in front of me and where to go. As a matter of fact, I would have been fucking surprised if you told me, yeah, I'm just doing these new things and it feels fucking great and I haven't lost out on anything and it's all just working perfectly and super easy. Ta-da! I just been like, who the fuck is this? So I think that goes back to the masking with therapists and people kind of trying to give the therapist what they think they want to hear as opposed to who they are. Mm. Yeah, I find it so weird that you don't want me to say whatever you want to hear. <laughs> that's the truth and that's just, I don't know. I don't know whether I can deal with that. <laughs> Might have to be over. Yeah, well, you know what? So everybody, you get to hear our relationship end live on air here <laughs> on PD Raw introducing some of that excitement that she wanted in her life. Okay, well, you know what? Let's um, table that discussion and save it for the bedroom. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, it's really interesting. Because again, you're bringing back kind of that we talked before about your mother with the admiration and the instrumentalizing of being made to think about what people want to hear or see from you and not who you actually are and how you feel and using those genuine resources to interact and navigate with things. So again, it's sort of, these things are all kind of circling around each other. Hmm. Yeah, I just think it's quite difficult with the lack of inspiration thing is because things that inspire you are very different from what I will probably end up enjoying or what I kind of want to hold on to. So yeah, I'm never going to probably want to build an orphanage you know that's <laughs> yeah you still get inspired by stories of things that are country fuckingly bad and you know <laughs> we're <laughs> i just need some excitement still and yeah, it's kind of sad to leave that part of your personality behind when it's also done quite a lot of good things yeah being creative and entertaining and all that kind of stuff is not something you want to just put down but yeah this is it's a more level life i think at the moment but I do, I do miss some of the old stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you're kind of talking right now about this bittersweetness or this wistfulness for who you used to be and the skills you've accrued, and you're talking about being emotionally invested in them. You can't, <laughs> you can't just do things and not have emotions about it. And so, yeah, you are invested in previous behaviors of ways of navigating and seeing the world that have brought you here. And I think I've written this a lot of times about how people learn or have experiences about how the world is. They choose a way of relating to the world that allowed them meet those challenges, and then they become invested. They learn to enjoy. They learn to find pleasure in expressing the mastery or skills that they've thought would be necessary or need. And so I think maybe the interesting thought experiment that we can give as the little philosophers that we are here is 
what would your enjoyments or desires or thoughts be if you hadn't have been in a world that made you think that you needed these skills? And if you hadn't have happened to have the years spent practicing that gave you the emotional investment, what would it have been like if you had of become habituated to something else and that had have drawn your feelings? Maybe try giving that thought experiment a couple of tries to see how you could actually be emotionally invested in other options or in other ways of seeing it. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be emotionally invested or shouldn't still kind of look back with fondness with some of the ways you've been. I mean, in some ways you can almost see it as people who still care about their toxic exes or people who have been bad for them or abusive parents or something of the sort whether they're not all bad or there were reasons or there's more to the circumstances than just they were bad for me, blah, 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 or just simply I still care nonetheless. And so you can see your attachment to your past selves as being this kind of complicated, I see ways in which it was bad, but I still really enjoy it or I still really care about it. It's still a part of me. And that's totally fine. And I, again, I've written this before too. I don't think that you can become better by trying to be less narcissistic or trying to create yourself out of nothing is to see why you were that way and what was necessary and what might still be necessary or how to leverage those experiences in terms of seeing it in the world or knowing that this is a possibility. But the point is for you to grow bigger than it, for you to contain more possibilities, more options to see other things you can do and feel. And yeah, it's to stretch out your soul and to grow bigger. Yeah, I don't have any objections right now, but I'm sure I will down the line. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we'll put them in the footnotes and the addendum to this episode. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like I had more things to say. It felt like when you gave me your list before, there was just gargantuan. We'd be talking for two and a half hours, but I think both of us are kind of fading a little bit. So we'll probably leave it there, but this is the update from few in the UK and incarcerated in some respect edition and us also seeing each other for the first time and nobody's dead yet. Yep, great expectations. <laughs> in the clash of titans of the empath overlord and <laughs> the, how do you wanna kinda put yourself in here? I'm just a bin person. Bin person. There we go. I knew you had something to rise to below the occasion. Mm, something like that. Trash the occasion. Hey, there we go. Very funny. Oh, that's right. awful. That's, like my, <laughs> that's my new me joke and I just hate it. Deserves to die. Oh, very consistent. Deserves to, you know what? We'll let you express the malignant thought. Have a freebie <laughs> on the house. So thank you everybody for showing up again, as always. Maybe we'll try and do one more of these before I fuck off and leave. But this has been cool to do the podcast in person and just be in the same room as you. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody, and take care, Burning Lila. Bye. <laughs>